my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted and Austin Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend and enjoyed the Hagman Show on Friday. We went on a bunch of different topics, as always, and uh, didn't get to talk about it as much as I wanted to, but we did see, obviously, now on Friday, that the Congress has passed the assault weapons ban, which pretty much from the support that it got from the Republicans, which was virtually none, uh, it looks like they're going to have a hard time getting this through the Senate. But nonetheless, it is extremely important, my friends, extremely important that everybody continue to contact their Senate members and tell them to absolutely shut down H.R. 1808, which is the assault weapons ban. If you guys have not read it, I talked about it a couple weeks ago. What it does is not only does it ban any and all future purchases of pretty much any legitimate semi-automatic rifle that you can actually use in a solid defensive manner, laying down suppressive fire or just taking care of your family and friends or going hunting. Uh, on top of that, it basically requires that you have it fully registered, by the way. A lot of people haven't figured that out yet because it bans the possession, sale, transfer, manufacture for anybody basically after the date. So if you have one before the date, you're grandfathered in, but that means you have to register it, which means it's going to turn pretty much every semi-automatic weapon into the same category as you would see with class three weapons and tax stamps without having to pay the tax stamp. You'll have to prove that you purchased it at the time before the enacted date. This clearly is being set up as a ploy to try to go in and set up a list of individuals who own these certain firearms. And uh, it, it's so far unconstitutional. And I saw a video Dad sent me this morning that actually had one of the congressional members that was pretty, pretty vocal about what was going on with this. And uh, he was going into detail about it in the debate, talking about how pretty much – Congress is intentionally setting up gunfights between American law-abiding citizens in their home and ATF agents, and he's dead on. Because all of a sudden now you start enacting all types of insane laws in this bill to start requiring you to start registering all these firearms that you've legally owned, and now all of a sudden, well, you may forget about one, or you go somewhere and don't realize you forgot an AR under your back seat that was sealed up in a case. I know a lot of people that have you know many, many, many firearms. You start talking about making it this level of a felony offense to have something, this is unfathomable in the United States of America. And I had a conversation with my buddy last time. We were talking about the Second Amendment, and he was like, why weren't there more stops in place to prevent this type of infringement from Congress as far as for the Second Amendment? And I said, this is what you have to understand with the Second Amendment. When it went through the, the Bill of Rights after you know the U.S. Constitution was put into place and you had the Bill of Rights – put together a few years after that i said there was no debate about gun rights from anybody anybody that was in the u.s government they pretty much put in there as a bill of rights is a very clear-cut example there was not a single individual in the congress or senate that had any intent will or want to regulate any type of firepower at all they just got through the revolutionary war they thought it was pretty clear-cut and common sense in the United States that the Second Amendment shall not be infringed upon, and that was as clear as they had to make it. There was no debate. They didn't think about, oh, well, you know, in another 240 years, we're going to have some absolutely horrific communist Congress individuals that are in place, and they want to try to disarm the United States of America to make it easier for an invasion from another country. 
They didn't think that the people were going to be this stupid to allow elected individuals to go this far. And you think about it when you saw as far as the Bill of Rights go into place, and then you saw what happened as far as with other laws and other things that were put into place after 1971. Nothing touched firearms. Nothing regulated firearms. Not until 1934 when you had literally multiple generations that had now died in the past. And now you got a lot of these seething communists that started to try to get their way in the United States, and they came out with the National Firearm uh, Bill as far as the 1934 NFA Act. And they said, we have, to, we have to regulate these firearms, these machine guns, because gangsters are using them. And that was their whole ploy they did, and that's what brought in the tax stamp and the Class three weapons and so forth. And so it continued to occur now. After that, it opened the door for very, very small infringements to occur and to build to the point now where we have literally individuals in Congress telling law-abiding citizens they can't own a semi-automatic rifle because, well, you know, you're too dangerous to own it. But hey, I have my six-man security detail that follows me around in armored cars and machine pistols all day, so I'm okay, but you don't deserve to have a semi-automatic weapon. That's the, the complete and total contradictory nature that we're watching. So, again, contact your Senate and make sure you let them know that this is something that is unconscionable to even consider. And, I mean, at the very least, they need to just filibuster this thing and these go in the trash can where it belongs. Also, too, another news, I want to give everybody a continual heads up on the products that we have going on right now. The Purple Sticks product of the week on sale for the next two days. And be sure to vote for what you want to see win on Wednesday, looks like the Sublingual B12 and the Vitamin C Powder are actually tied right now. They both have 44 votes, so be sure to check that out on the website. And also, I saw this is something that was very interesting now is the whole theater charade of making sure they keep the bumbling buffoon in his office and doing whatever concoction cocktails to him to keep him up. They're now saying that he has now contracted COVID again. Now, I told you guys two weeks ago on Hagman, I had a strong feeling that they were going to use this as a tool either to take him out of pocket and bring Kamala in or they were going to do something as far as obfuscate it and continue to keep him under the cover so nobody could figure out what in the world's going on with him, especially after that last weirdo video that was so heavily edited where he's bug-eyed, not blinking for an entire minute, talking about how bad January 6th was, and then I don't know where he went after that. There's obviously something very clearly going on behind the scenes that they do not want anybody to know about with this buffoon. We've realized that now for months, all the way from his net behavior to his inability to even read a teleprompter, much less to actually ride a bicycle safely. So there's something clearly behind the scenes they're trying to keep covered up, and I think we all pretty much realize what it is. So again, when I saw this theater, I was like, oh, they're probably going to milk this for quite a while because they can continue to come in now and say, oh, He's contracted COVID again. Now he's getting very, very sick. We're going to have to actually, you know, keep him in the White House a little bit longer to monitor him. That's just at least my opinion. And also, too, one other news story that I found was interesting. Germany's largest cities now are allegedly preparing for a looming energy crisis by shutting off warm water, limited heat, and switching off lighting. Switching off lighting, guys. Remember, this, this is all because of, you know, we have to make sure we fight Russia by sanctioning them and all this other nonsense that the United States started. And because everybody had to get involved in the Ukraine-Russian scrimmage that was on their border, this is being done very specifically, my friends. And listen to me clearly. This is not about an energy shortage at all. Now, there may be remnants of that and there may be issues with that because of the moronic ideas that the United States put into place by saying we're going to shut Russia off from the rest of the world and sanction ourselves into oblivion. 
But I'm telling you right now, this is not the main reason. The whole point that you continue to see and you hear when you know it's complete and total obfuscation, for example, why is it that we're seeing the liberal logic is, well, I shouldn't run my AC for the environment. I need to make sure my, my smart thermostat's controlled so it only stays at 82 degrees, what they tell you you should leave it at now, 82 degrees. Um, but you definitely need to go buy an electric vehicle that plugs into the exact same grid. Wait, what? How does that work? Electric vehicles draw a whole heck of a lot more power than that when you hook a bunch of them up. Well, that's because it's science, guys. You have to believe the science that they lie to you about. <laughs> and, and this isn't a joke as far as for residents in Germany, though. This is horrible. They're saying the German city of Hanover is attempting to reduce its energy consumption 15% immediately. Beginning the end of September, Hanover's municipal buildings will not be allowed to be heated to a temperature over 68 degrees, and the city has banned the use of air conditioners and fan heaters? What? The city of Hanover will be forced to take cold showers at city at city-run facilities. The German city will cut off all hot water in public buildings, swimming pools, and gyms. They said every kilowatt-hour ounce in protecting critical infrastructure has to be our priority now. We are facing hard times due to the Russian aggression in Ukraine. There we go again, and we see that we have a gas shortage, and it's a major challenge to municipalities. Now, again, I told you guys this when it first started. There needed to be a new boogeyman to push the climate change green energy, and Russia Putin is that boogeyman they used. This is why they're continually bringing up the climate change. Oh, we've got to stop the climate change. We've got to stop global warming. All this has to be done now because, you know, you, you have to sacrifice to protect everybody. I know we, we got to fly our Gulfstream 700 back and forth from Europe to the United States so we can do different meetings throughout the week, uh, but that's fine. Don't worry about how much fuel we burn and of our armored vehicles we drive around and they get six to eight miles per gallon when we go to these meetings. That's that's fine, but you're, you you can't even drive a Prius. you got to drive an electrical car and plug it into the same grid that we tell you is overloaded because now you can't have hot water and you can't run hot fan heaters in the winter because you know it's it's for your safety it's for science this is what they're setting it all up for is they want everybody to try to be punished and sacrifice as much as possible so again people get more conditioned remember this is what you do in psychological operations you take a group of individuals and you essentially beat them down to absolutely nothing. And it's like the old antage says, the old adage says, the beatings will continue until the morale improves. We have to keep doing these restrictions. You have to keep taking cold showers. Oh, guess what, guys? It's springtime. We made it through. We made it through the horrible Russia. The, the war's starting to slow down a little bit. Guess what, guys? You can have hot showers again. It's April. Aren't you excited? Aren't you so glad that we are so gracious and merciful? We're allowing you to have hot showers again. Come on, guys. This is really good. You guys did so good. Exactly what they did during COVID, wasn't it? Every single month. Oh, we, we got to keep everybody locked down again. You still have to wear a mask. If the cases go down and people get their shot and everybody stays masked and nobody goes outside and nobody has a birthday party or a funeral or a wedding, if you do that for another month, we, we might be able to lift restrictions. Ah, guys, oh, no, I know it's been another month, but, you know, some of those pesky people, they weren't wearing masks when they were walking down the street by themselves on the sidewalk. We saw it. We saw it. And they, they made the cases go up, guys. They made the cases go up. So, unfortunately, you're going to have to sacrifice again for another month, and you have to be locked down, and you can't have a birthday party, and you can't have a wedding, and you can't go anywhere without a mask on, and you need to get your 10th booster. Remember, if you get all this, maybe by next month we'll be able to release it. 
This is what they did, guys. I mean, it was textbook psychological operation. This is what they're going to start doing now with energy sectors. They're going to start telling you, you have to do this and you have to hold off for science. And you a little bit longer, push a little bit more, sacrifice a little bit more. Just take another cold shower in Germany during the wintertime and it'll be okay. You'll get through this and we'll come out the other side. This is all about beating down the psyche of the German population, the Europe population, and quite frankly, the world population, what they're going to do with this now. And this is why it is so important that you never comply with tyranny because once you give them an inch, they take miles and they don't stop. And this is exactly what we've seen now when they got their hooks in everybody with COVID and they saw how well people complied in Germany during COVID and the passports and shutting down the Christmas markets and wearing the mask and locking down, locking down, testing every single day. You got to test like every single week. Once they saw people comply, hey, they knew what the next step was. And this is exactly the next step in the playbook. Guaranteed. Europe's ahead of us on this one. The United States will start doing the same here during this winter. They're going to say, of course, it's due to the Russian problem. It's due to the Russian war. Continue to sacrifice so we can push through this. It's almost there. One more month, guys, to flatten the curve of the climate change. One more month to flatten the curve. (laughs) It's it's almost insanity how predictable this is, Dad. But yeah, you keep watching it over and over and over again, and people keep buying the piles and piles of BS and saying it's caviar, it boggles my mind. What do you think? <laughs> the Germans are real funny people. Um, you know, they've been basically under martial law now since World War II. Uh, they're completely controlled by the United States NATO government that's controlled through the Rothschild, you know, bloodline families. And uh, they're in occupied countries, what they are. I mean, we've got, we had military bases all over Germany, which that's one of the biggest ones in the world there. And, uh, they basically are, are servants. And not the servants to us, but the servants to the international banking community. And they have been. And they've been punished repeatedly because they stood against the international banking cartels back in 1935 and they started printing debt-free currency. And, uh, even though Hitler had been put into power by these guys, in case you guys haven't done the research on that, he was still, you know, on the chain until he decided to print his own currency and go debt-free. And he had enough of them. And everything after that, I mean, we used to listen to his Nuremberg rally speaks. He talks about the uh, international banking cartels and if they would insist on doing this and insist on doing this, that they're going to have war with Germany because he'd had enough of it. Well, they basically swore a blood libel against the German people for that. And they have turned them into complete and total slaves over there. I mean, they're scared to talk. I mean, they don't have a First Amendment or Second Amendment right. They don't have the right to bear arms. They don't have the right for free speech. Uh, you can't even mention the Third Reich or the Fatherland or, or Hitler or the Nazis. Uh, you're not even supposed to talk about that. It's, they, they teach the Holocaust narrative in the schools repeatedly. But as far as any kind of questioning, as far as any of the narrative is concerned, they simply aren't allowed to do that or to discuss it. I told you the stories repeatedly on the show about how scared they are, even when they're in the United States and not in Germany, to discuss anything about anything that happened during World War II because they're told not to. And they can be getting put in jail for it. If you deny the Holocaust in Germany and you say, I don't believe the number was six million, they just block you up and put you in jail and fine you and do the other things to you. And you think, well, that's not really freedom of speech. No, it's not freedom of speech because when the Constitution was reestablished in Germany after World War II, they didn't give them those first two amendments. They didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't let them have freedom of speech or freedom of bare arms because, number one, they didn't want another dictator. This was the excuse they used, like Hitler, to start up and get everybody cranked up and everybody start talking about it. And, number two, they didn't want them to be able to defend themselves, period. And that's why with the Morgenthau Doctrine and with what Eisenhower did with his death camps and how 15 million Germans were left to starve to death after World War II – including millions in the Eisenhower death camps in which they were basically designated as basically uh, enemy combatants rather than prisoners of war, and they just let them starve by the millions behind barbed wire in the mud. 
and the Germans are interested because they've uh, that DNA that was uh, standing against the New World Order and saying that we're not going to live like this. It, they pretty much extinguished it during the war, and of course Hitler had a good part of that by killing the German youth by having them, re- you know, repelled the Russian invaders and in Berlin and throughout Germany. And it was horrible what he did. And then it, well, as he escaped, you know, to Argentina to start a new life down there with Eva Braun. There's no way he died in that war. He gave the technology for the nuclear weapons and, the, and the, basically the detonators to the United States government. They allowed him to slip through the cracks. You can read Jim Moore's book, The Third Reich, and, understand, and you can read through all of it, or The Fourth Reich. I can't remember which one it was. It's the name of the book. But it's an excellent book. And, and that, that's why I have absolutely no, no respect whatsoever for Adolf Hitler. He did a few things right, you know, with his Autobahn system and the debt-free currency and a few of the other things. But you never put 10- and 12-year-old children in the trenches and have them killed and destroy your own DNA. In fact, he said if the German population couldn't win World War II, they didn't deserve to continue as a people. He made sure they didn't. I mean, the guy was a piece of – well, he was bad news. He really was. He was a nightmare. And uh, so unless you think I'm a half Hitler fan, I am not. You know, and, and so then they had Goebbels coming in. There's the propaganda minister. Hitler knew full good well what, was he was, what Goebbels was doing and all the lies they were putting out. But they were trying to maintain unity of the population to continue to fight to the last man, fight to the death. And then I mentioned this before. The Russians came into half of the Germany and the East Germany, and they raped all the women, and they basically got rid of the German DNA by doing that. And then in, in West Germany, when the, the Allies came in, these women lost all their husbands. They were desperate for food, and they didn't have to rape them really in West Germany, not like they did in East Germany. They just gave them nylons and chocolates. And, I mean it's on and on and on and on. And so when, when you understand this, and, and I speak from a person who was born from all of that. My dad went back over in 1952. His parents were both from Germany, met my mom, and brought her back to the United States and rescued her from that for those seven years after the war. It was insane horrible over there. you know. And so that's the thing that people don't realize is that the German people that fought World War I or the German people that fought World War II, that DNA, that quote-unquote, I guess you could call it rebellious DNA as far as not wanting to be told what to do, is gone. It doesn't exist anymore. And the one thing that's real funny about Europe, especially in Germany, to kind of continue with this, is in the wintertime, they like everything really hot. It's, it's ridiculous. You go into their homes, it's like 85 degrees. I mean, you walk in, first thing you got is you got to peel off all your jackets and go down to a T-shirt because it's so hot in the houses. They don't like any windows being open. They don't like any cool air coming in. They don't like any of that stuff. They just want to be all bundled up and sweat on the inside. So when you tell the Germans they got to keep their thermostats at 68, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. You we're all going to get sick. I mean, it's kind of nonsense they talk about over there. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we, we don't even use the heat here in Florida. That's one of the reasons I, I like actually like living here. You can't freeze to death here. And what's, what's interesting is, you know, I don't remember how – it's been years since we turned on the heat. In fact, when it's 40 degrees outside, we open all the doors and windows to try to cool off the house because we know by within a couple of days it's going to get hot again. And so we just, you know, we just like to keep it nice and cool in the house at night, especially not having to run the AC at night. And so that's what we do here in Florida. But of course, you know, when you live in a state that gets, you know, 20 below zero, you can't open the doors and windows without having your plumbing freeze. I understand that too. But, uh, and the, and the main thing they're doing now is they're cutting back in Hanover, which by the way, Hanover is, uh, is uh, where they speak Hochdeutsch. And, uh, that's where my mom is from, a city real close to there. And now they're telling that the cities and the fountains and the and the and the public showers, et cetera, are going to have cold water. They haven't gone to the point yet of telling the people in their houses they can't make it miserably hot, or you know take hot showers. Uh, and Austin's right; it's all part of the psychological programming of the people that continue to beat them down, because what they want to do is they don't. They just want. And the Germans have had this negative population growth. They're like at 1.1 or 1.2 or 0.85 or something like that. I don't remember the exact number, but as far as reproduction, as far as children. 
And when you go below like 2.3, because you have death rates with kids, uh, you know you can no longer be a biological specimen that's productive. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you, you basically self-extinguish your own DNA and you basically kill yourself and everybody else in your DNA lineage because they can't, you, you're not reproducing. I think it's 2.3 is what you have to have. And at 2.3 basically says that you'll replace yourself and your wife and you have the point three in there for the death of your children in the event that somebody dies. That's why all of you who are listening right now, if you have the ability to do it, have at least three, four kids. If you're patriots, I mean, you've got, you say, well, that's too much money. I don't want to do it. Okay, well, don't. All right. I'm just telling you what you need to do as far as from a population standpoint. And then on top of that, when you have all the people attacking the white people, you know, and the black patriots and the Spanish patriots and all the different people, uh, they, for some reason, they, these, this new world order really hates white people and they're really going after them. And, you know, that just happens to be a problem if you're white. <laughs> it really does. And the, and the sad part about that is, is that, you know, it, they're making it blatantly obvious. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples. Let me tie a few pieces of the puzzle together for you. Right now, this just came out from ABC News, and I told you this was going to happen. It's going to get much worse, too. It says one in 30 children now have autism. The diagnoses are up 52% since 2017. I'll repeat that. One in 30 American children now have autism, and diagnoses are up nearly 52% since 2017. The number of kids in America living with autism is apparently growing at a considerable rate, according to a new study. Published in JAMA Pediatrics on Monday, that's the Journal of American Medical Association's Pediatrics, the new study reveals that nearly 52% increase in the autism spectrum disorder among children in the United States between 27 and 20, 2017 and 2020. That's three years, 52% increase. The National Institute of Health says the autism spectrum disorder is a neurological developmental disease that affects how people interact with others, communicate, learn, and behave. And one of every 30 kids in America now has autism. Now, guys, I warned you this was going to happen. It was one in 37. It was one in 60. It was one in 100. It was one in 1,000. And it goes up and up and up and up and up. And this is specifically because of vaccinations and the poisoning of our children with mercury and with aluminum and with adjuvants, and with all kinds of toxins, and the hepatitis shot, and all of the stuff that bursts, all of these things are killing these kids' brains. And you think, well, wow, Ted. Well, I wrote a book on this, remember? I wrote a book called Maximum Solutions, ADD, Autism, and Learning Disabilities about 20 years ago. And it's still available online for a few dollars, but it's outdated now. But the information is still accurate to that time. But the reality is, is that it's not going to get any better. Dr. Stephanie Sinef from MIT said that if it doesn't change, that within within a few years, 50% of the children will have autism. It won't be one in 30. It'll be one in two. And then she says within about few, another decade past that, it won't be 50%. It'll be all of them. You think, well, why are they doing this? Well, autistic children don't get married. They don't get married, and they don't have babies They're, You know, 99.99% of the time. And so it's a massive population culling. In addition to that, what did Cloward and Piven say? You have to overwhelm a republic by overwhelming the social welfare systems. I've got friends of mine, and, I, and my deepest condolences to any of you have children with autism. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I know how bad it is. I've worked with so many patients and kids like that when I had the clinic. But here's the thing. You know, at one time when a child had autism, doctors would come for hundreds of miles around to see the child. This was back in the 60s and the 70s because it was so rare. Now it's commonplace. In fact, in some classrooms, more than 50% of the children are now on medications in the classrooms. 
I mean, it's crazy what they're doing in the public school system, and it's to overwhelm everybody. Because think about it for a second. Cloward and Piven, you have to overwhelm the republic by overwhelming social welfare systems. These autistic children, they don't die when they're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. They can live the full life, 60, 70, 80 years. They can do that. And so here's the problem with all that. The parents are basically raising them and trying to take care of them in most cases, unless they have them institutionalized. But what happens when you have tens of millions of children whose parents die, and now these children become wards of the state, and all of that money has to go into the infrastructure to try to support all of these kids who are not going to produce anything for society whatsoever. In most cases, they simply can't. And these children end up becoming a huge burden on society or on their siblings or on their, you know, their grandchildren. And it goes on and on and on. It's to cripple the United States. That's the whole point of all of this, guys. It's all about population reduction. That's one of the primary reasons they push the homosexual pedophile nonsense too is queers don't have kids. 99.99% of the time, they're too busy, they're too busy sodomizing each other. It's a disgusting, disgusting lifestyle for most of these guys and girls. And, and so they don't have children. Every once in a while you'll get a queer or a lesbian that'll basically use a sperm donor or a surrogate to have children and they raise them up and the children, in the vast majority of cases aren't right. They're basically being groomed the entire time they're little thinking that's okay to have these behavioral patterns in your household. So it, it can give it again, it massively reduces population. It always does that, and, and they've done this over and over and over with all kinds of experiments, with, with the chemtrails, with everything. And, and the sad part about this is when you stop and you look at it, you realize that this is not something that they started you know, yesterday. And I've, done, I've talked to you guys about this repeatedly back in the 50s you know, with the CIA and DARPA and everything else that were working together. They put together what's called the, what's called the Jason Committee or the Jason Scholars. It was a group of basically individuals who were supposed to be the highest, most brightest minds in the world. And they came up with multiple things that had to be done on the planet. And the number one agenda they had was basically reducing the population of the planet by hook or by crook or by sterilization. They didn't care. They said they had to reduce the population of the planet. And I get that. Okay, and I'm going to say something here. It's going to sound kind of weird, but I, I got to say it in a way that kind of makes sense. When you have a population of people who can't feed themselves, who can't be productive, you need to implement some type of, you know, education on birth control you really do uh, because th how are they supposed to be fed how are they supposed to not starve to death well when you have other populations that you know are able to be productive and basically have the ability to produce food and to feed themselves that population needs to make sure it maintains its this its its, its population growth rate or its rate of replacement but the biggest problem we have are in third world countries these third world countries are adding about 100 million new people every single year into the population pool of the planet, who in turn add another 100 million every year, every year, every year. So every 10 years, you get another billion people. And so this is the problem that we have you know, on the planet. So I got that. I, the, the Jason scholars were right about that. I don't even – because you start doing 100 million, billion, 2 billion, 10 billion, 20 billion if it, does get, if it doesn't get under check. But the, 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 that doesn't mean that you have to go sterilize people. You have to do educational protocols and programs and teach them how to use birth control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, China, they, they stepped to it. They took it a step further. They started giving a one-child program, which cut the population back every generation by 50%, and they would basically go in there and kill the children. Now, that's awful, but that did work. I hate to say it you know, from a horrible standpoint like that, but it did cut back the massive population growth that they were having in China. Now, should we recommend something like that in the United States? Absolutely not. You can't be running around killing kids. It's horrible. It's just like abortion. It's against God's will and his word and against what he wants for us. 
But education is a key if you can teach the people how to implement it. When you deal with some, some countries that have 56 IQs, you can't teach them proper birth control. Heck, you can't teach them how to flush a toilet. And so you have a problem with all that stuff. And so it's a problem that you know needs to be addressed from a global standpoint, but not with the mass extermination of people that are productive, which is what they've done with these with these nightmare vaccines. And they've, they've done a whole bunch more of this stuff. Uh, you remember uh, years ago, it was back in 1969, the Secretary General, Youthon of the United Nations, made this statement. Here's what he said. I do not wish to seem overdramatic, but I can only conclude from the information that is available to me that as a Secretary General of the members of the United Nations that perhaps we have 10 years left in which to subordinate the ancient corals and launch a global partnership to curb the arms race, diffuse the population explosion as because of the birth control, what happened after World War II and the baby boomers, and supply the required momentum to develop efforts. If such a global partnership is not forged, then I'm very clear that these problems will get out of control. Well, this, so this has been going on. This was like in 1969. This is a direct response to the baby boomer generation from the 1945 to 1960, when, 1965, when all the people were so happy to come back from the war and have children and start a normal life. So they assumed that that baby boomer generation population growth expansion was going to continue globally, and it did not. It simply did not. And so they started implementing all of these different strategies in order to reach the population. There's a program called MK Naomi. It was developed by the Special Operations District scientists at basically Fort Detrick in Maryland, and it was under the supervision of the CIA. And the reference to the Project MK and Naomi can be found in the intelligence community by Faint et al. Bauer, 1977. And they were talking about how forces in Latin America, the principal agent for the National Security Council's super secret intelligence agency's activity, uh, which has the illegal groups known as Yellow Fruit and Sea Spray. And Congressional Relations Chief of the Pentagon, Lieutenant Colonel Gritz, claims he didn't know of any of the illegalities of the military and the government until he was told by the drug lord in a third world nation. Now, what these guys did was this. They decided they wanted to basically decrease the population and put it into a declining spiral. And Lowell Summer expressed his view. As a biologist, the human population explosion and it's a, it's a declining spiral of natural resources is to me the greatest threat of the time. The time is ripe, even dangerously overripe as far as the population is concerned, that it has to be controlled. Many other population controls have been promulgated, and the, re the reduction of the world's population to workable levels has virtually been assured. Now they start talking in this article about the Chinese model of the New World Order, which actually worked because the program only allowed you know, one child per family. In other words, they just took them out back and shot them and killed them. It was horrible what they've done. And they've also killed the old and the infirm. Look what they did with COVID. You know, when a person was in a nursing home, <laughs> they just brought people in with COVID into the nursing homes, and they infected the entire nursing home, killing huge percentages of the population over the age of 65. And, and just remember they said it was, it's, it's primarily a disease that kills old people. Well, that was done on purpose. We were genetically targeted, specifically targeted. If you're over the age of 60, 65, 70, and you're no longer contributing to the tax base and no longer are a debt slave to the Rothschild banking cartel, and you're living on Social Security, you need to die. And so they made sure of it. And then the biggest problem these old people had is they had been told their entire life that their doctor was a pseudo little G God, that he could do no wrong. He wore a stethoscope like he was wearing a crucifix, and he walked around in a white lab coat like it was his, basically his priestly garments. And they were basically told that this man had the power over in life and death, and you've got to do what he says. So if he tells you to go on remdesivir, you go on remdesivir. So these old people, in some cases, 100% of the population in these nursing homes now were basically fully vaxxed, 100%, including assisted living facilities. And you may have an outlier every once in a while that comes and says, well, I'm not going to do that. But the, now over 99% of them are vaccinated. 
And of course, that's going to destroy their immune systems, and they're going to be dying like flies, which they've been doing, you know, in these assisted living facilities. And the sad part about it is, it's all about the eugenics protocol. Not only do they want the people that are young who can have children not to have children anymore, they want the old the people that aren't productive and being debt slaves, like I just said, dead. And so, and that's that's one of the big goals they've done. You know, here's the thing. You know, for years we've heard stories that the tobacco fields of the United States have been fertilized with radioactive hailings from uranium mines, uh, uranium mines, you know, resulting in tremendous increase in the incidence of lip, mouth, throat, and lung cancer. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but we've heard about that. Then we had malathion, which is a nerve gas developed by the Nazis during World War II to kill people. It's, it's being sprayed and was being sprayed heavily in Florida and California just a few years ago. They used to spray them basically with uh, you know, helicopters or with DC-3s. And you know, I didn't believe they would do this. I didn't think they would do this. I didn't think they would spell uh, basically a neurotoxin on human beings. But I remember they told us one day, they said, Central Florida has a problem with Mediterranean fruit flies and it's decimating the orange crop. No, it wasn't. Decim- the Mediterranean fruit fly wasn't decimating the orange crop. The spraying of aluminum and barium in the air was decimating the, 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 the orange crops because it was poisoning the soil. So what they told us is this, this is Mediterranean fruit fly. And all of a sudden one day we hear on the news one night we said, by the way, Central Florida and Polk County, this is where I live, right, is going to be sprayed tomorrow by DC-3s spraying malathion. We suggest you keep your children inside and keep your cars inside because it may damage the paint of your vehicles. And I thought, what the heck? They're going to spray us with a neurotoxin? And sure enough. Next day, I go outside, and I was about three or four miles away. I'm looking, and here comes the DC-3, full spray, full spray nozzles, spraying the residential areas. They weren't spraying the orange groves. They were spraying the people like we were bugs and insects. And, man, we raised cane here in Florida, and we finally had the state legislature come in and had the court come in, and we stopped it. But they were spraying us like we were insects and bugs. You see, chemtrails weren't killing us fast enough. And all the neurological damage, that's been done. You know, then you got Colorado with all the problems with dioxin and the drinking water. And, you know, dioxin is one of the deadliest chemicals known to man. And now we're trying to figure out where in the world is all this coming from. You know, and you see horror story after horror story revealing the Army and the CIA. They release germs and viruses to the population to test their biological warfare capacity. And they do it under testing. So they never have to go through Congress. You know, and so we see all these radioactive leaks from all of these different nuclear power plants releasing strontium and uranium and all kinds of thorium. All of this stuff into the atmosphere, into the soil, all of this is being done on purpose. The thing over out there in Fukushima, that was completely set up as far as the, the, the damaging of those reactors. They're still, by the way, pouring huge amounts of radioactive water into the ocean in the Pacific. And now some people are saying they're going across the Pacific Ocean and the, and the farms, the, the salmon fishery areas and the estuaries have been completely decimated because of radiation toxicity all the way up to Alaska. And how massive decreases in salmon population, how the salmon has been knocked out in some areas by 90, 95%. It's all being done to reduce the population of the planet. And they don't care if they destroy the planet with radioactive debris or radioactive contamination. They don't care. It's all about these guys who want to have their 500 million people on the planet and have 2,500 slaves each. That's who's doing all of this stuff, what we talked about in depth last week with the synagogue of Satan. That's the group that does all of it. It always has done it because they hate God. They hate God's creation. And once you understand that, that this hatred is that deep, and you start to understand who they are and what they're believing, then you start to realize how controlling we really are in this country. You know, Pfizer basically are accused of pandemic profiting as the profits double because of what they did with these vaccines. You know, Medicare now realizes they're going to save $3.6 billion for buying drugs at the same prices 
you know, at, at Mark Cuban's online pharmacy. And Mark Cuban is another globalist Rothschild cutout who was financed, and now the Rothschilds want to control the full purchase, sale, and distribution of all of the drugs. And all Mark Cuban has to do if he gets huge government contracts is to raise his prices, increasing further profits into the bankers' you know coffers. That's what that's what they're doing, and we don't don't even realize is that. And, and then you realize that you know. The big pharma pretty much wins because they come into this and they basically continue to basically evade, you know, reforms as, as the supermajority of the people want because the big pharma, again, is owned by the Rothschild banking cartel. Don't you remember back in 2019, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi introduced the Elijah Cummings Lower Drug Costs Now Act, the bill known as HR3, was shot across the bow by an industry accustomed to congressional docility and deference. It, it, if passed on the law, HR three would allow the federal government to negotiate drug passes, drug prices on behalf of Medicare, a right assumed by the governments in every other major economy. The bill reflected an inter-party compromise and disappointed progressive Democrats who had pushed for deeper reforms. But HR three was no trifle. It put up a hard cap on insulin prices and allowed Health and Human Services to negotiate prices on fifty to two hundred fifty of the most expensive Medicare drugs. To call the bill popular would be an understatement. Polls showed. Support ranging from 80 to an eye-popping 90 percent plus. A bar bipartisan, a bipartisan firewall without an analog in American politics. The numbers reconfirm the existence of a decades-old supermajority committed to the proposition that the government had a right and a duty to prevent drug companies from gouging people. The consensus resembles a lone building standing in an earthquake, uniquely impervious to the polarization that it fractured so many points. But despite Donald Trump's campaign promise to rein in drug companies. But he said we're getting away with murder. He and every other Republican was siloed. H.R. 3 was delivered stillborn into Mitch McConnell's Senate in November of 2019. Didn't pass. Didn't get, didn't get set up. Two years later, when Joe Biden released the massive social spending and climate exchange dub Build Back Better, reforms were nowhere to be found within its 2,000 pages. This shocked and alarmed Democrats who understood the risks of inaction went beyond the next election to the party's very legitimacy. So it didn't get passed. Both Trump didn't do it and Biden didn't do it. They don't want you to have drug product, drug products at a at a reasonable price. But then you get into the lab testing. The other day she, we were going to order some lab tests for Sharon, some blood stuff that she needed to have done, and it was a thousand dollars for the lab test. I mean, couldn't believe it, like nine hundred something dollars. And, and this lab test literally would have taken you know a couple hours to get it all done, but didn't make any difference. It was over nine hundred dollars, and so all of these things are being controlled through straight street, BlackRock, Vanguard, the bloodline families, and the international banking cartels that set these prices. And we were talking the other day, we were at the Chevy dealership, and the guy was talking about how you know, General Motors have been firing hundreds of people and his staff because of incompetency, because they, they, they send vehicles to places and they take the, the transponders out of them with OnStar so they can't be found. I mean, I'm not, we're, not, we're not talking about two or three vehicles. We're talking about tens of thousands of vehicles are being shipped at yards all over the country and have no idea where they went. Now, whether or not all that's true or not, or if it's his speculation, I don't know. But the reality is this. Something's going on with General Motors and their supply lines, and we see this over and over and over again. And, and then you realize that Big Pharma, basically the, controlled by the Rothschild banking cartel, and this is an article out of time, is hijacking the information that doctors need most. And you say, what does that mean? Well, back in 1982, this doctor says when he first began his career, he was confident he could provide the effective care that he needed. But now he's saying that basically after four decades, the opposite has occurred. The age, same age, just the age, has, the death rates are actually going up because of iatrogenic disease. In other words, doctor-induced disease and drug-induced disease. It says the transition started in the 70s 
when the acceptance rates of grant applications for funding from the National Institutes of Health shrank from roughly half of the medical research applications to one-third. Then in 1981, President Ronald Reagan slashed the government's support of university-based medical support and research, further pushing academic researchers into the waiting arms of the pharmaceutical industry. Following this 1980 passage under Reagan of the University and Small Business Patent Procedures Act, nonprofit institutions and the researchers were allowed to benefit financially from the discoveries made while conducting federally funded research. Yep, happens all the time now. So these universities have the incentive when they do the research on new drugs to get them passed to set up the control studies in such a way that they will be passed so they can get a big percentage of the profit of the sale of the drug. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. It's all corrupt. And that was done because of what Ronald Reagan did. So we sit back and we look at this and we go, what the heck? And then we start to understand that it's going to be it's going to be up to us. Homeschool your children. That's number one. Keep them from being in that medical, that medical university complex that basically runs the entire school systems now, requiring these children to be injected with who knows what, 76 vaccines and all the rest of this junk. And keep your kids in church. Teach them the way they should go in the name of the Lord. Teach them that. Have them go in church. Have them. If they don't want to go to church, make them go to church when they're little. Put them on a pew with you if you have to, if they don't have a kid's program, if you're trying to keep them healthy. Make them listen. Make them, make them realize that they need to learn who Jesus Christ is because if they learn who he is, they'll understand who he is, and they'll continue to believe in him all the days of their life. That's why it's so difficult for a person who's never gone to church, who doesn't know who Jesus is or who Jesus was or what Jesus did, and they're 40, 50 years old, and they've never heard about it. And I've met people like this, by the way. They don't understand. It's, it's such a hard thing to try to bring them up to a level of understanding that God recreated himself in his own image. Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he's the exact representation of God Almighty when he created, you know, Jesus. I guess a lot of people call him the second Adam, and he, he was put here for our sins and to basically be sacrificed for us to create, a, you know, a, a resolution between God and man to allow us to come boldly into the throne of the throne of God Almighty himself through Christ to have a relationship directly with God. People don't get that. So when you're talking to them about this when they're 50 years old and they've been an atheist or whatever their entire life or their parents told them none of this was true, it's a big jump. It's a big jump for them to get to that point of realizing that the Bible's right. Even if you say to them, hey, look, something happened 2,000 years ago. They changed the entire calendar. Or if you give them Josh McDowell's book, Evidence of the Men's Verdict, you give them that book. They still have a hard time grasping it if they were told that all of this is not true from a childhood because they're not a theta brainwave state. They believe it. So that's why it's important to train these kids up, keep them off the vaccines. I would never give – I'd never give any of my children the hepatitis shot when they were born, ever, 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 ever. Would never do – why would you give a hepatitis shot to a child assuming that the mother was a drug-using, IV-using, you know, drug addict who was infected with hepatitis? And first of all, the body – the little child can't even produce antibodies against hepatitis when it's newborn. It doesn't even work, but it's loaded with mercury. And it dumps a boatload of mercury into that little child, into that brain of that little child, and, and impairs proper neurological development. And you start giving all these children these injections the first few months, and suddenly the infant death rate goes through the roof. It's all planned to reduce the population. And now we got one in 30. And it's probably even higher than that. It's probably one in 20, one in 15 now of children have some type of neurological damage from the vaccinations they've been given as children. And so you think, well, wow, well, that's a pretty hard road to hoe, isn't it? And now think about it for a second. Let's say, for instance, say, well, it's only one in 15. This autistic scale is a continuum. You have different levels of autism. So if you have a child 
that has 130 IQ. It's a smart kid. And you start injecting with more and more and more and more and more mercury. More of those brain cells are going to just time out and die. That's what happens. And the development of the neurological synapses cannot take place because of the heavy metal toxicity. So you may not even notice it if the child was relatively bright to start with because now he may drop his IQ from 130 down to 110. Then you dump the fluoride, may drop it down to 100. Well, now he's basically back down to about an average IQ. So you don't really notice it. But he could have been another Albert Einstein. You don't know what he could have been. But you dumbed him down because you dumped all these chemicals into his body and all these heavy metals into his body. And I know a lot of you may have done that before you listen to this show. But guys, it's okay. That's all right because that, that DNA will self-repair unless you give him an mRNA vaccine and you start changing the DNA. And the next generation may have a generation, if they don't poison them with mercury, they'll be having really smart kids again. But that's the problem. They don't want a smart population that has reasoning skills and has critical thought. They want somebody stupid, just smart enough to run the machines, but not smart enough to say anything about what they're doing to them. That's all they care about. It's, it's not about politics. Listen to me, friends. It's about power and profits to these international bankers, these these unbelievably greedy weirdos, these these Luciferians that worship a snake in a tree. It's not about politics. It's about profit and power. It's always been like that from the beginning. That's why Jesus said that basically money is the the love of money is the root of all evil. It's about the greed. These people are so greedy they don't think about anything besides how much money they're going to make, how much profit they're going to make, how many people they can screw over. That's what they think. That's all they think. And how many people can we kill? And how many people can be our slave back in a feudal system? And it's the craziest thing when you start to realize the, the, the immense evil that's involved with this. It's absolutely mind-boggling. So keep your children safe. You know, and again, you got to make these choices. And if you say, let's say, let's say you and your husband talk about this. And now all of a sudden you're in agreement or you're not in agreement. You have to work through this on whether, whether or not I'm going to do the hepatitis shot at birth, whether or not you know, I I think my wife's a drug using, IV using, hepatitis. You know, you know, you know, you know, the poor. That's what they believe. Okay, which is stupid. But you have to ask yourself a question before the babies are born. What am I going to do? This decision can't be made after the baby's born. It's too much pressure from the hospital and from the doctors and from the nurses. What do you mean you're not going? to – No, we're not going to do that. Let me let you know that in advance. It ain't going to happen. You understand? Not now. Not ever. Not today. Not going to happen. Tell them my pediatrician will take care of all the needed vaccines. That's all you got to say, all right? And stop all that stuff. And then if they say, if they still push it, say, look, I'm not going to sign off on this. And if you do this, I'm suing the hospital. That stops it. I've had to do that once also with my kids. So I mean, so it's just it's crazy what they do and the pressure they put on you. Next thing that happens are the in-laws. What do you mean you're not going to vaccinate my grandchildren? Don't you know how important those vaccines are? What's wrong with you? And why can't you think through this? And why in the world do you think that you can do this? Because they're my grandkids. I've heard that too. All right. Well, my response always is that person is, hey, tell you what, uh, we're going to take care of the kid ourselves. This isn't your kid. And we'll, we'll allow our pediatrician to do whatever needs to be done. Of course, I don't even have I never had any pediatrician for any of my children. We had a general practitioner that we used if the kids were a little sick, but we never, ever took them to a pediatrician once. So I can't believe you did that, Ted. Well, well, how about that? I did that. And all my kids are super healthy and super smart. So here's the point. What do you want to do with your children? What do you want your legacy to be for your kids? It's like I told you before, when Austin was going to go into the Marine Corps when he was 19 years old, he already finished his bachelor's degree as an officer at the OCS program. I told him, I said, this is on you. You've not been vaccinated, so if you want to go ahead and do this, 
this is your choice. I'm not making this choice for you anymore. You're an adult. That's what you have to do. And I, and I told you about that one pastor's son who went out to that Bible school out there in Tulsa. He'd never been vaccinated. And the blithering idiot took all of his vaccines, all of them, like 18, 19, 20 years old, and then wanted to vaccinate his child. An idiot. The kid was an idiot. And, and this, I don't know how it even happened because people make bad choices. And then you find out his wife is the one running the show, and she's the one who wanted all the vaccines. It's the craziest thing you've ever seen. And so he complied with that. These are questions. Listen to me, friends. If you're dating, these are questions that you have to ask yourself before you get married. In fact, I would make these questions one of those questions that I would say this is one of the, this is the thing that we need to discuss before we even get serious about dating. Because if you're really sold on this and you're really sold on doing all this, then at that point in time, we just need to stop dating right now. You think, well, come on, Ted, do you really believe that? Yeah, I really do believe that. Because if you're, let me say something to you. People are always asking me, how in the world can you and Sharon be married for 38 years? I said, well, it's been 38 years. Well, how do you get along? Because our values are the same. We believe in proper childhood raising. We believe in not having the vaccines. We believe in eating clean. You know, we, we work together as a team. We don't have all these conflicts all the time. It's really important. Someone else asked me this week. He's frustrated, and he said, what in the world can I do as far as I can't find a, a, a Christian wife? Or some ladies say we can't find a Christian husband. But we have a friend of ours. He used Upward Christian Dating App, U-P-W-A-R-D, Christian Dating App. But he said he also he found his wife, but he had to go through hundreds of girls in order to find one that he found compatible. And what I would do, and listen to me for a second, I'm, I'm going to meddle for a minute because I keep getting these questions from you guys that are trying to find godly women. And that's a problem nowadays, I know. And for you ladies who have a problem finding godly guys, it's a problem nowadays. Number one, I got to meddle for a second. Number one, you got to take care of yourself physically. You have to look presentable if you're looking for a member of the opposite sex, period. You know, you got to maintain your weight. You got to work out. You got to exercise. You got to look good when you're young and you're trying to find somebody all right that's number one number two you got to be right with god you got to be praying right and doing things that are right going to church etc etc reading the right stuff doing the right stuff acting the right way you have to do that and number three don't try to step into a relationship under subterfuge don't do that in other words tell them who you are tell them you're a born-again child of god that you're a christian that you go to church that you pray every day that you're not vaccinated and if that's the problem then don't bother you that's, that's how I would do it. And I would just say, because I would be looking for a specific group of people. When you have a, an app that you can post like that and say, hey, look, here's the deal. I don't believe in an experimental mRNA vaccine. I repeat that. I don't believe in an experimental mRNA vaccine. I believe that we basically need to maintain our health to the best of our ability and not affect our DNA in the long term. I also go to church on a regular basis and I pray on a regular basis and I'm, I'm a biblically based Christian. So if all you care about is a hookup for one night, I'm not that guy, period. It's not that guy, not that girl. And I would be that direct if I filled out the ad. And you say, well, I won't get that many responses. Well, good. <laughs> good. I'm, why do you want to go out with people, number one, who you're going to have nothing but conflict with? That's important. But I would use the social media program, like a dating app like that. I've never used that company, but I have my friend do it. But I would do something like that to get your name out there in a big spectrum, like so to speak. In other words – if, if you're trying to run into somebody at the grocery store that may be your soulmate and you can really relate to them from a Christian standpoint, that is possible. You can, that, that, that does happen. But the reality is it doesn't have to be that way and that arduous. I mean, how many times you got to go to the grocery store? Sooner or later you're going to say, well, maybe I haven't met anybody in the last 20 years. Maybe it's about time that I put an ad up. 
That's what I would do because we have the ability through the Internet now. But be very direct and very specific. And what will happen is women will like a guy who can make a decision and be that direct. And men will like a woman who will say, okay, I like the way you're saying this. And all of a sudden now you have the ability of having the right person at the meeting with you or on the interview or if you want to call it a first date, whatever you want to call it. And you don't have to deal with a bunch of stuff that you don't want to deal with. But that's what I would do for all of you single folks that are listening to the show every day. And it's just, it's, it would make it a lot simpler to do it that way. All right. I've pontificated long enough. Guys, I appreciate you. I had the opportunity to pray for you today. You guys are great. I'll also go ahead and finish it up, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Also, to another news, this is interesting as I brought it up last week. It looks like L.A. County now has declined to reinstitute their illegal mass mandate. Apparently, Los Angeles County has abandoned the plan to reimpose indoor mass mandates because uh, essentially they had multiple, multiple cities and uh, representatives and individuals and citizens there that pretty much have said, uh, we're not going to go along with this. Multiple cities refused to even enforce it, said they're not getting involved with this anymore, that essentially caused insanely too much conflict, and there's zero need for it. So surprisingly, I figured L.A. was going to run this through. They were pretty much guaranteeing everybody they were. But, again, this is what I've told everybody repeatedly, this is why you have to get vocal and push back. That entire thing, I said this last week, that entire mass mandate threat out in L.A. County was to do one thing and one thing only. It was a beta test to see how compliant the population was going to be out there with this. I mean, you have migrants and homeless individuals running around cutting people with box cutters and beating people with bicycle locks in convenience stores and in malls. And you're telling everybody the biggest threat they need to worry about is the upper respiratory virus that mostly everybody's already been exposed to? No. It's complete and total theater to see what people will comply with. Also, to another news, this is interesting as well. We found out Zero Hedge just came out with an article according to the Washington Free Beacon. Not surprisingly, but this shows you exactly how corrupt they are. The CDC gave censorship suggestions and guidelines to social media companies and Google in order to censor users who express skepticism or criticism of COVID-19 injections. Not kidding. The Washington Free Beacon, which obtained a trove of internal communications obtained by American First Legal, emails between the CDC, Google, Twitter, and Meta staffers, which is Facebook, and some of whom were former Hill and White House aides, were obtained through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit and show extensive cooperation, which included thinly veiled threats for failing to more aggressively move content. Which said it here in one of the article, over the course of at least six months, the CDC officials regularly communicated with personnel at Twitter, Facebook, and Google about vaccine misinformation. At various times, CDC officials would flag specific posts by users on social media platforms, such as Twitter, as example posts, and send them to social media platforms. In one email to a CDC staffer, a Twitter employee said he is looking forward to setting up regular chats with the agency with other emails showing the scheduling of meetings with the CDC over how to police misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. I kid you not. This We already knew this was going on, but I mean, it's so blatantly here now. You have the CDC controlling social media platforms and telling them what they have to put up there. This is why I've told you guys before. 
The CDC is one of the most corrupt agencies on the face of this country. They're right up there with the ATF. There's no question about it. They were directly involved with making sure everybody was at least attempted to be brainwashed over these COVID shots. While we're seeing the death rate skyrocket and the side effects skyrocket, they still have continued to recommend these shots and have not missed a beat. I saw an article earlier here now from The Defender. And it's discussing how the VAERS report showing it's pushing 1.35 million reports of serious adverse events now. That's what it's up to with right under 30,000 deaths and uh, 247,000 serious injuries. And uh, this isn't going down. Remember, this is VAERS. It's very, very difficult to update stuff on. It takes hours to input all this information. They make it intentionally difficult. And this is the VAERS reporting system. And one of them now that I saw that somebody sent me earlier through the Defender, it was going into detail of a a nine-year-old girl from California died just two weeks after receiving her first dose of the COVID vaccine. The child experienced abdominal pains, sore throat, extreme chest pains during two to three days before she died, according to the VAERS report, when she did not have any pre-existing conditions, according to the report, at all. Guys, this isn't a joke. This is something they're going to continue to roll out, and Dad made a very valid point. Ask questions if you're talking to somebody or you're you know, engaged with somebody you're about what their stance is on this. The one good thing about it that's happened now is that more and more people are open and vocal to talking about shots and vaccines because of how much negative publicity this COVID shot's gotten. So be sure to talk about it. Get the truth out there. Continue to wake people up, my friends. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. Continue to stay strong. Keep up the faith. Keep up the just topics going out there. Continuing to be vocal about things that are happening. Be sure to check out the website, healthmasters.com. The Purple Sticks on sale. Product of the week at the website. I appreciate you, my friends. Have a blessed, safe, awesome night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow as always. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network.